Welcome to the Actually Connecting Podcast, where emotions, consciousness, and connecting come first. Welcome to the Actually Connecting Podcast. I'm looking forward to today's guest, Claudia Norega Bernstein. Claudia is an artist, writer, philanthropist, abundance coach, mentor, mother, and wife. You do kind of a lot of different things. Uh, you've worked for magazines, television in South America and the U.S., touching on subjects from parenting, forgiveness, growth, political issues, kind of the range of it all. Uh, you've performed as a producer, creating trainings in television, um, acted in one of South America's most popular telenovas. And since having children, you've started studying emotional intelligence, really started a life as a, a life coach, helping businesses and individuals help help achieve self-confidence and good relationships, discovering life purpose, how to become authentic leaders full of creative potential. Like you've got all these things, but you've also then written books like Brighter Days, 88 Important Lessons for Women That Want to Increase Their Confidence, Resilience, Courage, kids journals to, that are being kind of popularized around the schools and also Abundance Journals for, for Women, Men, I Don't Shrink to Fit, My Abundance Journal. Like you've done all these different things, but now you're writing three more books that in <laughs> essence are on life, death, divorce, secrets. When I saw, when we started speaking, I kind of looked at what you were doing and I was really excited because I've never had these conversations necessary with the terms of emotions, consciousness, and connecting and how you see some of those topics and how they fit into what you're doing with your writing and some of the things you've done in the past and just how you see because the diversity of the world that we live in and yeah. kind of your perspective of. So without further ado, uh, Claudia, thank you so much for being on the podcast. This is the Actually Connecting podcast where emotions, consciousness, and connecting come first. How are you today? You. I'm doing great. And thank you so much for uh, having me and for such a cool introduction. <laughs> I'm it's excited to meet me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh my goodness. Tell me a little bit about yourself. I grew up in South America. Yeah. Um, when I was 20 years old, I moved to the States for a couple of years. Um, my whole family actually moved because my brother has thyroid cancer and uh, pollution and everything else in my country wasn't helping him. So my mom decided to move the whole family. I was married at that time. So um, my husband and I kind of followed. We lived here for a couple of years and then I went back. And then after I got divorced, I move permanently permanently to mm -hmm. the states um at the beginning i was doing um modeling because i mean i started modeling when i was very very young and then i started um acting um doing soap operas and miniseries and stuff like that uh, so at the beginning i was just you know doing what i knew what to do um and then i got married again and i got pregnant of my first daughter and i decided i didn't want to be in front of a camera anymore. Mm -hmm. I really wanted to be present for my kids. Um, I, I knew how much of me my career was taking before, and I didn't want a nanny or somebody else raising my kids. And nothing mm -hmm. wrong with people that choose that. That's their choice. Personally, because I had a mom that travel a lot when I was a kid. Um, I didn't want that for my girls. I, I didn't want any absence for my daughter. So mm -hmm. I decided, you know what? 
that was a good run. I had a lot of fun. Now mm -hmm. I'm just going to stay as much as possible with my girls. Mm -hmm. Looking back on that, was that a hard decision to make? No. Wow. No, amazing. it wasn't a hard decision to make number one because I was very famous, very young. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't like um, I was chasing the fame or I wanted to be famous. I already mm -hmm. had experience how it felt mm -hmm. and I wasn't very fond of it for a lot of reasons. So yeah, uh, the, the possibility to reach out to people and to touch people's lives and, and to make people happy that always been my high, you know, but um, there is other component that comes with being famous that I wasn't particularly, you know, in love with. So when it come, came the time to make the decision, because I, I was pregnant and medically I couldn't have children for me was a no brainer. Mm. You know, I mean, I'm getting this blessing in my life. I'm just going to be as present as I can. So, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah. Where did it leave? How did you transition into doing the life coaching stuff and more of the writing side of it? Where did that come into play? Well, my dad was a journalist. So mm -hmm. I, I started writing since I was very, very young, actually, even though, I was doing so proper as my first, first job was with my dad on a Mason magazine. <laughs> he, he, uh, he, he wanted to teach me how to sell. And I am not a very good salesperson as far as closing the deal. I, I can talk about the product and convince the person, but the minute that I have to say, okay, this is how much it's going to be. And can you give me a check or can you, you know, pay for it? <laughs> you know, like I want to just give it to them, you know, it's like, yeah. well, you can have it, you know? <laughs> so, um, but I started doing that with him and I learned so much and he had written a couple of books. He was working, he was working before as a journalist. So it was, you know, it was, in my bloodstream, I mean, doing this and, mm -hmm. and I loved it. Um, but it wasn't until I, so I get divorced from my second husband and, um, we remained good friends, but you know, I, that wasn't for me. He was an entertainer and I made a decision that, you know, that perhaps wasn't the lifestyle I wanted to have. And it wasn't the lifestyle I wanted my girls to have. I, uh, we had three daughters, mm -hmm. so we, we got divorced. And then after like seven or eight years, I started dating my, um, my husband mm -hmm. that I'm married 17 years. I'm with him now. And he, you know, I was not in a good place emotionally. Mm. Like I was carrying on all my limited beliefs from all my other relationships and everybody was in fault and I didn't have any responsibility on anything. And it wasn't a good place to be. And I had become like run, runaway bride, you know? I mean, I was mm. actually engaged twice before I met him and I didn't get married. So I didn't know what to do. So I broke up with him <laughs> and one of my friends who was um, going to a emotional intelligence seminar said to me, if you want to do that, that's okay, but just go to this seminar and then make the decision. Mm -hmm. So 
I went to Choice uh, University, which is an emotional intelligence seminar here in Las Vegas. And it was an eye opening for me. Like I had to come to the realization that a lot of the choices that I had made were my responsibility, in fact. And um, I had to learn, or better say, I got to learn from those mistakes. And I had I had an aha moment in so many ways because even crying wasn't available for me because mm. I was so strong. So strong people don't cry and I cannot be vulnerable. I have all these beliefs, you know, that was holding me back. And when we graduated, you know, I'm not the kind of person who grabbed the microphone and go, hey, everybody, listen to me. I have something to say. Um but I did that day and, and I said a lot of things that needed to be said. I cry a lot. My kids were in shock. They're looking at me like who hurt my mommy and why is she crying? Because mm. they had never seen me cry and they were pretty young, you know, and I, I realized afterwards the damage that I was doing to them by not being vulnerable mm. because oftentimes as an adult, you know, you feel that you don't have the right to express yourself or you shouldn't express yourself because that would label you in certain way, you know? And, and I was in that space and it wasn't, it wasn't helping me. It wasn't adding to what I wanted to be. It, it, the best version of myself was like somewhere in the background, you know, but it wasn't where it was supposed to be. So, um, my then fiance and I made up and then we got married. Uh, I had to acknowledge a lot of my responsibility and why things were not working the way I wanted them to work. You know, sometimes we think that somebody's going to knock at the door and say, are you the person who wants A, B and C? Here you go. You know, mm -hmm. I brought it to you. And that's not how how this world works that's not how life works you know we need to do the homework mm -hmm. we need to work on ourselves and and we need to notice you know we need to notice where we are and where we want to be and what is the work we need to do to be in that place you know i actually did a, a video yesterday uh for my instagram and i said a version of myself expires every day and i truly believe that you know, that mm. a version of myself expires every day. And I try day in and day out to be that person I strive to be, that person that that I look up to, that I know it's me, but I haven't been there yet, you know, because I'm working towards that. A version and of you also inspires you every day too. Absolutely. And, you know, I, I, I mean... Even, even the preconception that we have about mistakes is wrong. You know, we're afraid to make mistakes. Hey, make mistakes, learn from them. Just don't make the same one twice, but learn from them, you know, and keep on going. This is, if you don't make a mistake, that means you didn't even try. You know, you have to try and we have mm -hmm. to come out of that idea that perfect people don't make mistakes and, you know, and, and everything mm -hmm. should be, this way for everybody there is no formula there mm -hmm. is no formula what works for me might not work for you mm -hmm. so we need to be open you know to embrace what's available for us you came from south america and you moved to the u.s you saw fame in 
both one or both do you feel like are emotions different in south america than they are in the us um i think our limited beliefs are different big time what do you say more about that excuse me we say more about that what do you mean by that yeah i think that because um the idiosyncrasy of the cult and, and the culture of both places are so different then our limited beliefs are different things that for a south american girl might be a taboo for an american girl might be something that they do every sunday you know what i'm saying we mm. have different ideas of how a good girl should be or uh, how a wife should behave or how um um, you know, a, a professional female should be. And that is because we come from different cultures. So our emotions are different. We deal with our emotions differently. You know, mm. guilt is an emotion that is is very present in South America. Because, first of all, because the majority of people are Catholics and, you know, they I'm Catholic too. So they kind of drill it, you know, um, if you don't do this, then this is going to happen. And then if you do this, then you're going to feel guilty and, you know, eat your food because there is all the kids that don't have food instead mm. of, you know, eat your food because they don't, you are blessed that you have food, you know, mm. so just eat it. Not because you're comparing yourself with a child in Uganda that probably is not as fortunate as you are. And in the same token, I and this is how I raise my girls. Yeah, you're blessed because you have a plate of food in front of you. But what can you do to help that child in Uganda without mm -hmm. having guilt? Mm -hmm. And that is a different approach. I was not raised that way. So my emotions were very different when I was growing up. And they're very different now that I understand more about my own emotions. Mm -hmm. You know, sometimes emotions come in pair. Like, um, impair meaning two of them like for example I would love if I can trust not mm -hmm. everybody just loves they have that other emotion that is conditioning mm -hmm. the first one you know or I am compassionate because I know how it felt not having a b c or d mm -hmm. you know so um and people don't see that in the emotions, you know, they see emotions as black and white, you know, either you're happy or angry, you know, you're, you're patient or you're frustrated. It, it's different for everyone. I think emotions are a very um, personal thing. It has a lot to do with the conversations we have in our head. It has a lot to do with our upbringing. It has a lot to do with the limited beliefs that we inherit from our parents or the people who raise us, you know, whatever they they put in our head, we take it as a fact and we run with that. And then our emotions are conditioned to those feelings, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Do you find that you can change that when you actually move from South America to the U.S.? Did that navigate as well culturally? Or was it just, uh, how did that process through? I think you learn. I think... Um, to an extent, and this is my very personal opinion, emotions are like habits. You know, you're not going to delete a habit. You're going to replace it. So mm. perhaps a situation 
gives you an emotion, but you can replace that emotion with another emotion that serves you better. I'm not saying that you're never going to be angry again, but maybe anger wasn't the right emotion for certain circumstances or situations. So you learn mm -hmm. and, mm -hmm. you know, I mean, if, if, if you read about it, I'm sure you know this, being afraid and being excited has pretty much the same effect in our body, mm -hmm. you know? So if we, instead of feeling fear or instead of seeing fear of something that we should protect ourselves from, I see fear as face everything and rise. So when I see fear, I'm like, I got it. I know what I have to do. I'm familiar with fear. I know what fear can do to me. So I'm just going to face it and rise. And I'm going to mm -hmm. make the best out of this situation. So mm -hmm. I don't think we can delete emotions, but I think we can, you know, replace it with different emotions so it can help us grow. Mm. How are you teaching your kids that moving forward and other kids in everyday world? Like, because that's a huge piece to go from, like you said, early on where you didn't learn that to now mm -hmm. learning that and now having to teach that for the first time without learning it when you were younger. How do you, how are you navigating that? I think that perhaps is because I am the mom I always wanted to have. And all the voids that I had, I don't want them to have. So that was my red flag. If I mm. was going that direction, I would try to understand how that reaction from me will make them feel. And then I would shift and say, okay, let's talk about it. For example, um, we all get upset, right? So I would say to my girls, I don't want to talk right now because I am really upset. And when people are upset, they say things that they don't mean. So I need some space. So it wasn't just, right. I don't want to talk about it. Get out of my room. Because that's anger with anger. You know, mm -hmm. I would breathe and say, I need some space. But they, I mean, when you repeat that over and over and over, you don't have to say the whole sentence they know because when people are upset they say things they don't mean so mommy needs some space mm -hmm. and they will accept that as we're taking time off mm -hmm. that doesn't mean i'm not gonna come back and still put you on a timeout. that means that i'm trying to collect my thoughts and my emotions so what i say is not gonna be more harmful than what already happened so we can get something out of it and learn from it. So, it, I mean, I made a lot of mistakes because I didn't have, um, I really didn't have a mentor to teach me how to be a mom. You know, I had some examples, but I was in this country by myself. So I had to figure it out by myself. I would go with my kids to the library and read a lot about parenting, you know, uh, because I was a single mom. So you got to work with your budget of a single mom. Or I would, I mean, when, when, when the internet was available for me, I would go online and look for answers. You know, my kid, my kid just told me she hates me. I mean, I remember the first time my, my first daughter 
Tom t- said to me, I hate you. And I was like, oh my God, you mm. know, mm-hmm. how can she say that to me? I'm a good mom, mm-hmm. you know? But then you realize it has nothing to do with you. It's mm. not personal. So there is a lesson right there, you know? So now this is an opportunity for me to go back when she comes down and number one, explain to her, do you really hate your mom? No. So you see how when you're angry, you say things you don't mean. So you see how it is important to take take a step back and regroup before we hurt the people we love. So I would grab those little examples, you know, and, and teach them. Or I would use analogies or stories or or kids books, you know, to teach them um, values and, and what's right and what's wrong. Because at the end of the day, I mean, I feel that I am a good mom if my kids are doing the right thing when I'm not watching. Mm-hmm. And and that was my goal. I want to give them the tools they need to make the good choices so they are good humans, even if I'm not around to tell them what's right and what's wrong. Mm-hmm. So it, it's a learning process and I'm still learning. My kids are older now. They're not little, but sometimes I hear them talking to other friends and, and, and advice you know, their friends and, and, and repeat what I said verbatim. I mean, I'm like, she was listening. Mm-hmm. She was listening and they are listening all the time. And I think if as parents, if we, you know, ponder on that a little more, we can really make a big difference in this world. I, I saw a couple of days ago a video on TikTok and personally, I don't go to TikTok a lot because I don't have the time. But sometimes when I don't want to think, you know, I'll just scroll. Mm-hmm. And there was this 12-year-old that had literally destroyed the house of her parents because they took her phone. Mm-hmm. So his phone, I'm sorry, it was a boy. He destroyed he destroyed the toilet. He destroyed the house. So when I see things like that. First of all, I'm like thinking, I feel so sad for this child that no one taught her how to deal with her negative emotions. Because if somebody would have taught him, he would not have had that reaction. But in Mm -hmm. the same token, how many other kids are there, you know, that don't, don't even know what a positive or a negative emotion is, Mm -hmm. you know? So I think it's so important to, to start with them when they're little. And this is also why I did that um, gratitude uh, journal for children. Mm-hmm. I did it when COVID was happening because a lot of kids were killing themselves. Mm. And I, I, I just can't, I just can't imagine. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to give them something that would help them narrow things down to a positive thing of every day so they can live in gratitude. So all the other things were just bugs, you know, but it's not mm-hmm. it's not the main thing. It's not what matters. It's mm-hmm. not what is going to make you wake up the next morning and go back to school or maybe stay the whole day in the house because you can't go to school because you you know covid was like everywhere. So when did um, you discover the phrase I am? What was your what what's your relationship with that phrase? That phrase was and is very important to me because Mm -hmm. I think that what comes after I am 
can change so many things. When I went to a another retreat in Sedona to learn how to meditate, um, and I, I wrote about it in my book, I went to um, Sarah, Sarah McLean was the, the teacher, and she asked me to finish the sentence. She said, finish, I am. And I said, oh, this is easy. I'm a mom. And she goes, I didn't ask you that. I said, finish the sentence. I am, I am from South America. I'm like, I mean, do we have a language barrier here? I don't understand. I'm finishing the sentence, you know? And she asked me that like four or five times. And she said to me, I don't want you to tell me what you do, where you're from, if you're skinny or fat or tall, or who are you inside? And I had to look at myself in the mirror. And for me, it was so empowering to come up with the answer, you know, that I have forgotten for a long period of time. So I said, I'm joyful. And she looked at me and she goes, that you are. And, and that ties together with the emotional intelligence seminar because one of the things my trainer said to me that broke me in pieces was, who took your joy? Mm. Because I was a very righteous person, you know, I knew everything. And, and all of you are messed up and I'm just here because my friend told me to come before I dumped my husband. That was my story, you know? So coming to the future, you know, five, six years after somebody asking me, who are you? And I said, I am joy. I am a joyful person. It was like embracing, you know, what I didn't want to accept. And from that day on, I was like full force. That's when I really, really started to coach abundance. That's when it was a a wake up, another wake up call for me. And we can have a hundred wake up calls, as you know, you know, but that one was like, you know what? That's my passion. That's what I want to do. Do you feel like you had to go back to the place where you, to heal, where you forgot that joy? Mm -hmm. Not only I had to go back to the place I needed to be to heal, but I need to take, I needed to take responsibility again. I think that even when we have emotions, if we can take three seconds to see what is our responsibility on, in that emotion, or if we even have the right to have that emotion, yeah. you know, it will be so different, the outcome of every situation. Because let's say somebody comes to your office and, and grab your, stable, your stapler, okay? And then you're in a hurry and you can find the stapler. Your first reaction is going to be frustration and anger because somebody took your, um, your stapler, right? How about why are you in a hurry? Why you didn't have that ready? What do you have to rush? What is your responsibility in all this? Yeah, the person should not have taken your stapler without asking you but you're going to go and get angry at that person because you're in a hurry because you didn't prepare. So what is your responsibility? So backpedal a little bit 
before you have those emotions and figure out why you're having those emotions and how responsible are you for those emotions. Mm -hmm. It's, it's tricky. Yeah, it's tricky. And it's you said it like this, joy is tied to the responsibility for who I am. Mm -hmm. And it is that everything's kind of tied to that. Once you recognize where the break can be, you can replace the habit, replace the emotion. And all of a sudden you can relabel because like you said earlier, everything comes down to these labels. Mm -hmm. And once you start relabeling these emotions that you feel is very negative, now, now your life starts to change. Right. Because you start finding these words that are more positive. Mm -hmm. you know, and you things, see possibility. That's exactly right. And you see possibility. You know, you ask me, what's my passion? My passion is to create. Why? Because when I create, I see possibility. I am an artist. I went to school to be an artist. I love to paint. I do sculpting. That's, I never did it as a career. It's more as an outlet for me. Um, like I thought writing would be. It, it, it has become more a career for me. But painting and creating is a hobby, you know, even though I went to school for that. But if we're going to talk about creating, we can create possibilities for people. We can create tools for somebody to have a better life. We, I mean, everything that involves the creation for me is my passion. So, yeah, I'm passionate about creating a painting, but I'm passionate about creating a new world in, in a better world. You know, I am passionate about creating positive things because that for me not only give me a sense of belonging, mm -hmm. but the outcome is always light and beautiful because you are creating something, you know, and that cannot be dark. It has to be light. Mm -hmm. It leads me because once you start talking creation, you start talking consciousness. Like, where do you think that, what is consciousness to you? Awareness. Awareness. How yeah. interesting. Consciousness is awareness because when you're conscious, you can be aware not only of your surroundings, which is the first thing that sometimes people think, you know, are, are, are you conscious? Are you aware of where you are? Like you wake up in a hospital, are you conscious? You know, but I think it goes deeper than that because you also have to be aware of your triggers. You know, why this situation still triggering me? Because I still need to heal. So when you're aware of that, then you can work on that healing. Then you can try to figure out what else you need to do to feel better and to find that joy back in your life. Are you saying almost conscious versus subconscious and being aware of your subconscious with your conscious? To an extent, because we we put things in the back in the back files because mm -hmm. we are threatened by those things. You know, it's like sometimes I have um, kids. I don't coach a lot of kids, but I had a couple of kids that had said to me, I don't remember. What, what, how is that? Because there's a trauma that needs to be healed, mm -hmm. right? But that memory is in your head. It's going to come up either uh, dressed like something else, you know, like, like, um, anger and fear, you know, sometimes anger and fear have different outfits. You know, you think you're angry, but you're actually afraid. 
mm-hmm. you know, or or vice versa. You know, sometimes people that are afraid come across angry, or people that are angry are they separated from from the situation, you know, and you're like. Is he afraid? No, he's just angry and he doesn't trust himself. So he doesn't know how to react. So sometimes those emotions interact. And when when you're a kid, you don't know those those labels. You don't know those emotions. So you start discovering how you feel while you going through the roller coaster, pretty much. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like your awareness changed? in major times of your life, whether the different things you've been through, whether times where like, okay, I'm now a different person because this happened. My awareness is different, whether it's becoming a mother, any of the pieces. I don't believe that I am a different person. Mm -hmm. I believe that I am wiser. Okay. Let me, let me uh, backpedal a little bit. I feel that my essence is the same. I, I have not allowed whatever had happened in my life to change my heart. Mm -hmm. And I had that commitment with myself without sometimes knowing that I had that commitment with myself since I was very young. When people would be hurtful to me, I would not have anger towards them. I would, for some reason, I don't know, which wire I had in my head, but for some reason I will go, I'm sorry for that person. He's so angry that he said these mean things to me. But I will not turn around and he goes, I wish a car ran you over. You know, I would no, because then the guilt come back, you know, and then I will feel bad that I felt those things. So then I didn't feel those things. And I make myself not feel those things. Is, you know, when my daughter was little, one time she come to, she came to me and she said, Mom, there is this kid in school that makes me feel stupid. And mm. my answer to her was, oh, my God, I want to meet her. And she looked at me and she goes, that's rude. And I go, why is that rude? She goes, why would you want to meet somebody that makes your own daughter feel stupid? She was like eight or nine, something like that. And I said, because anybody that can make you feel something is a very powerful person. And I want to meet her because no one can make you feel anything that you don't want to feel. Wow. And she until now remembers that. Mm-hmm. It's like when my daughter, my oldest daughter, you know, she, she wouldn't put out in high school. So some girls decided to create a reputation for her because they were jealous that, you know, she wasn't doing what everybody else was doing. And I said to her, if you're walking on the street and somebody scream, whore, are you going to turn around or are you going to go and look where the whore is? Mm. So if you don't want that label, you can say, no, thank you. It's like when somebody gives you a gift, if you don't want that gift, who that gift belongs to belongs to the person that is bringing you the gift. It doesn't belong to you. So if you say, no, thank you, you can, you can keep your gift. I don't want it. And it's okay. Mm -hmm. You know, but 
that's what I was telling you at the beginning. The way I raised them was always with analogies and examples and and stories. So they would they would not just take my word for it. It was important to me that they understood the reasoning behind what I was saying to them. So then they, it's not that they were convinced, but they really believed it, you know, because I gave them enough evidence to believe that what I had said has value, you know? Mm -hmm. So I get it. I get it, mom. I get it. Mm -hmm. How are you helping the world? Because I know you're doing a lot of this now because you've done this with your daughters and now you're looking to do this more with the public in a lot mm -hmm. of ways. How are well, you I, transitioning I, that? I coach. I don't have as many clients as I had before because I honestly don't have the time. I mean, I do also my husband's marketing. He He's a lawyer. And um, and I really want to finish my couple's book. Um, so I'm, I'm not as much. But the way I do it is every day with everyone. It's like... Sometimes I feel I'm coaching for free 24 seven and a lot of my clients that are not my clients anymore call me to catch up, but that's a session right there. Right. Mm -hmm. I had a, I had a podcast like three, four months ago and the lady said to me, the lady was interviewing me. She said to me, well, you got to tell them I'm going to be sending you a bill now. And I'm like, I can't do that. I, said, I, I care about these people. I cannot just say, well, I'm glad that I'm helping you, but I'm going to send you a bill now because everything is not about money. Yes, we have to have a living and we have to generate some income, you know, but mm -hmm. we also get to pick and choose. And sometimes even talking to the cashier at the supermarket, you can make a big difference, you know, and that comes the awareness, you know, when you are, um, when you're aware of what's going on around you and you are not in your own bubble and you go to the grocery store or Walgreens or CVS or whatever, and you see the body language or the energy of the cashier, it doesn't take anything to just pause and say, how are you? How's your day? Is your shift almost done? I love your earrings. Something, something that that doesn't show, or 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 give them the impression that they're just another robot that is gonna punch some numbers for you. You know that you actually matter, that you are another human, and you have that opportunity to have that connection. And why not take that opportunity? I mean, sometimes we're teachers, and sometimes we. We're students, right? Who's who's going to tell me that I'm not going to learn something from her? Or she's going to say something inspiring to me that I am going to carry the whole day. Or perhaps just because I'm saying hello to her, she's going to be kinder to somebody that might need it that is coming behind me. So I think it's a ripple effect. You know, mm -hmm. we are where we are for a reason. and. You can be in Home Depot, you can be in Whole Foods, or you can be walking in the streets, your dog, you know, and bump into somebody. And if you can have that connection, even if it's just giving them a smile, mm -hmm. just giving them a smile and say, have a great day. That's all it takes. There's the joy. It's free. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
how can people support you moving forward? Like, what are you, how, do, how can people help you thrive while you help the world thrive? I love feedback. I love feedback. You know, I, I had a bad review in, in, in my book. Uh, <laughs> I never had a bad review before. <laughs> <laughs> so I had a bad review. My kids took it very personal. They wanted to, huh, where is she? Where is she? I'm going to answer back. I'm like, it's okay because that's how we learn and that's yeah. how we grow. Yeah. But she really didn't have anything insightful to say. She mm. just said, I didn't learn anything in this book because everything that she wrote, I already knew. Mm. And I wanted to answer her back. Kudos to you. I'm happy that you went through. First of all, thank you for buying my book. Thank mm -hmm. you. And I am happy that you didn't learn anything because that means that you've been doing your own work, you know, and, and you are in a place that maybe my book is obsolete for you, but thank you for your feedback. I mean, it's great when they give you feedback. You just have to be open. <laughs> yeah. Who is the book for? My girls. Oh. I had cancer three times. I told you that when we were talking earlier. And I don't take my life for granted. Mm. I feel that, and I always joke about this, but it's not a joke, but it's a joke. Um, Elvis died in the toilet. So it really, you know, <laughs> you don't know where it's going to be your time. You don't mm -hmm. know if you're going to come be coming down the stairs, if you're going to be in a plane and fall asleep and never woke up or you never know. Right. So I always wanted to write something for my girls that they can go back and read and remember and, and hear me, you know, and that's another reason why I started to do in podcasts. Because, you know, and, and it's funny because when I talk to them, sometimes they go, mom, don't coach me. They know when I'm coaching. So I have to be very cautious now that they're adults, you know, how I connect with them in the same level. Because I always said to them, I'm, I'm Latin. So I said to, to them, even in heaven, there are hierarchies. I'm your mother. We're not friends. Okay. I'm your mother. But now that they're adults, there is that friendship component, you know, mm -hmm. because they're 25, 26 and almost 30. So, of course, you know, I'm 55. So I'm like, yeah, now we can be friends <laughs> in the same token. Don't don't drop the F-bomb when you're talking to me okay? <laughs> because mm -hmm. I'm still your mother. Mm -hmm. But um, so they don't listen to my podcast. They don't. But they have them if they ever want to. Right. And if they ever want a sounding board, you know, and and I'm not around anymore, they can still listen to my voice and and hear my thoughts and how I felt and whatever I have learned. In the same way they can listen to me talking. I mean, other people might find it interested as well. Mm -hmm. How do people connect with you? Like what's the best way to follow, to reach out, to give feedback? My my Instagram is my main thing, really, because it gave me the possibility to put videos, pictures, write a lot. I have a page in Facebook that I pretty much share what I do in Instagram. Um, 
my website is, you know, if they want to buy merchandise or books, they can get it also in Amazon, but they can go to my website, www.brighterdaysbook.com. Um, but my Instagram, you know, you want to give me feedback in that, and I love it. You know, sometimes, I mean, this is not my first language. You know, I actually learn Italian before I learn English. So wow, I I have it all mixed up in my head. I, I speak a little bit of Portuguese as well. So um, sometimes I have mistakes, you know, and, and, and my husband was reading a book, um, Peterson's book the other day. And he said he showed me that at the bottom, at, at the end of the book, in the bottom, it says, if you find any grammar mistakes, don't email me. I don't care. <laughs> and I said to my husband, I should do that. And he goes, well, honey, you know, you have a few. <laughs> it's okay. That, that I'm going to tell you something that I'm not, I have never said it in a, in a podcast, but the first time that I did my book, well, I had a book for parenting that got deleted in my computer. So Oh, no. For three years, I didn't I didn't write. I, I was an American Airlines and my computer crashed in the plane and the whole thing deleted. And I I had not backed it up. I, I know better now. So I did this book with my nephew that was staying here during COVID and we did the whole book and blah, blah, blah. But when I uploaded, I uploaded my draft. So the first books that were published <laughs> were not very good books. So all my friends um, brought the book, right? Everybody, yeah. well, my friends and my family, everybody brought the book. And then my phone started ringing. Oh, hey, no. um, I don't know if you know, but there is like a lot of mistakes. In the book. Oh, no. And I was like, huh? What do you mean? And then I went and looked and I was like, oh my God, I can't believe this happened. So of course we upload it again, but Amazon takes like, you know, two, mm -hmm. three days with yourself publishing. So mm -hmm. people keep on buying the book and I'm like, <laughs> I didn't know. What so I just took the ball by the horns and I said, don't buy my book. There was a mistake. I will let you guys know. And everybody that had bought the book, I will send you uh, a good copy good for you. And many, many people that knows me told me I don't want another copy because uh, I love the way you speak. <laughs> so, you know, with my mistakes and everything, they, they liked it. So I was like, yay. <laughs> it almost makes it more rare if you have that first rare copy of the first draft. You know, I it's do out have there it for everyone. I do have it. And you know what? It was so funny because I donated... Um, a coaching session and a book and a journal the other day for a charity and they came to pick it up and I gave them the book but I was then doubting because I have them somewhere else you know but I gave them the book and the journal and then I'm like oh my god what if I gave them the wrong book so the day of the charity <laughs> I took a book and I told one of my friends go switch it from the silent auction <laughs> So she went and switched it. And then she said, can I keep this one? And I said, yeah, I don't know which one it is, but yeah, I keep it. It's fine. That is too funny. But yeah, I mean, it's okay. You know, life is not that serious. And you started by saying, and it's so true, you have to be willing to fail or you're not doing anything. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. a huge part of life. And once you can figure out that little hack, everything becomes so much more fun because the know. pressure goes away. And you've got this lightness about you to just experience and create. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
And, and it's, I mean, for me, it's, you know, yeah, okay, I said it wrong. What are you going to do? This is not my first language, you know? I mean, sometimes people, I had somebody once texting me and saying, hey, do you want me to correct your post before you post them? Mm. Very sweet. Huh? It's very kind. It wasn't kind the way she said it. but (laughs) Not kind the way she said it. Understood. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it was kind of like, I mean, I don't know how you can be writing that, you know, kind of mm. like that. But I said, um, thank you. And then mm. I thought to myself, okay, I need to, I need to download some app that can help me so mm. I can learn better and I can, you know, but, it, but I was imagine after they said that to me and then my book was published wrong, right. you know, I, I mean, all the, all your insecurities started coming, you know, it's like, oh my God, you should not done it. Why did you publish a book? People are going to make fun of you. And I was like, it is what it is. Mm-hmm. You know, I thought I... my, my first bar review was going to be, you have grammatical mistakes, but now she didn't say that. <laughs> <laughs> I just find it so amazing that we speak with so many people on the phone and day to day and English is their second language. Mm-hmm. And we expect it to be and treat as if it's one-to-one conversation, everything we expect to be a certain way. Yeah. But it's like, imagine being in a different country where it's not your first language, and then you have to go get a job, and exactly. then you have to get around, and then, and then, and then to go into even a, a, a conversation like we're having today about emotions and consciousness, very intricate to be able to navigate that. It's a whole nother level. And it really does. It's, it's very impressive. Thank you for choosing to like dive deep and be able to make yourself the best version of you because it's being bilingual is a big deal. It is. And- it is. And sometimes people, you're right. You know, they, they, there is people that had correct me in a conversation and I go, oh, okay. Because I want to learn. Mm-hmm. I don't have a chip in my shoulder. Like, how dare you? You know, but then I think, Okay, how many languages do you speak? <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think everybody, I, I don't know how to say this. Um, we're all mirrors. Mm-hmm. If you don't like something about me, there is something you need to work on yourself. Mm-hmm. You know? I mean, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not waking up in the morning to try to push everybody's button. If I'm pushing your button is because if you're feeling that I'm pushing your button is because there is something about me that you need to pay attention about yourself. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. And what yeah. I love about that statement is you said earlier with the I am statement, mm-hmm. the I am statement is the mirror. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Having to look at yourself in the mirror and really evaluate because there's no one else to look at. And there's, it's just you in the mirror. It's you in that I am statement. I mean, you are your best friend. You are the person that knows you the best. Yeah. You know, that's, I always tell my girls when my, when I hear them say, I'm so stupid. I'm like, don't talk to yourself like that. Mm -hmm. You need to be kind to yourself because also the more you tell yourself, I'm so stupid you sending that message to your brain that you are so stupid. So mm-hmm. why are you having that conversation? Mm-hmm. You know, it's like when you say, I'm not going to get that job. Well, yeah, you're not. Mm-hmm. 
You know, I remember one time one of my daughters said to me, she goes, I am so ugly. And I go, yep. She goes, mom. And I go, are you, are you fishing for a compliment? Because Mm -hmm. that's not the right way to fish. Coming to somebody and said, I'm so ugly. So the other person go, no, you're so beautiful. No, just own it. Own Mm -hmm. your beauty. Say, I look great, right? And I will say, yes, you do. But don't fish for a compliment playing victim. I mean, no. Yeah, it's that list your gratitudes and how long will it take before you list yourself? Yeah. I'll be like, what? You know, I say, if you, and I have um, my cards, I don't know, they're here. I have my cards, my uh, affirmation cards that I have in my website. And, oh, this is so crazy. I was going to look for this one. I promise you, I was going to look for this one because I was going to do a video upstairs with this one. But it says, if I ask you to name all the things you love, how long would it take for you to name yourself? There it is. You know, and it's so funny. Mm-hmm. Look at this. It's the last one in the bottom. This one was <laughs> like that. It was just like my kids used to say, a quinky dink. Yeah, <laughs> that's exactly right. Yeah. But okay. it's true. We need to name ourselves and we need to love yeah. ourselves. And when you look at yourself in the mirror, you need to say nice things to yourself and say, you know, I love you. I know you're doing your best and you have come a long way and I'm with you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you're worthy and you're whole, you know, all these positive things that can empower us. So then we won't have so many negative emotions like, you know, fear and sadness and, you know, whatever. We'll have joy and trust and happiness. I love it. And on that note, Claudia, thank you. Thank you. I have one last question for you. And it's a trick question. Go ahead. What is one question you have for me? What motivates you? I have a very deep passion and like a desire to make the world a better place. It is insatiable and it's, it doesn't stop. And it is something inside and it's ticking away saying like, this needs to happen. This needs to happen. This needs to happen. And then I'm pulling back the layers to try to find the root of what, where that's really coming from. That's beautiful. Yeah. We're in the same page. That's what we have to keep on sourcing. Yeah. And the more people source that and the kinder we learn to be in, the more patient and accepting we learn to be with this crazy and eclectic world we live in, yeah. I think we can achieve that. Yeah, I agree. For sure. Buddy, thank you so much. Uh, this is the Actually Connecting Podcast. And I'm so grateful to have spoken with you today. I am so happy to to be here and to have the opportunity to talk to your audience and to you. Wonderful. Till next time. Thank you for listening to the Actually Connecting podcast so far with Claudia and I. I, Normally, I don't do this, but after every podcast, I always have these conversations. And what's really funny is sometimes the conversations that happen right after we stop recording or quote unquote after the podcast starts is really where some of just the most engaging stories and and conversation and dialogue happens. This is one of those times where Claudia and I spoke afterward for a little while and 
what was spoken about I think is so important that if you're interested in staying for kind of a bonus version of this, please stay and listen. And for those of you who have children or daughters, sons, and are looking to understand maybe how to be the best version of parents and to build a relationship full of trust and loving guidance, I think this is a really, really cool piece to listen to. And I will say there's, um, it's a bit of a hot topic. So if you're listening with kids, um, just be aware that nothing too intense happens, but it is something that it changes a little bit from what the podcast just was. So on that note, uh, thank you so much, Claudia, for being willing to share your stories. And thank you for all of you out there who are listening and willing to support both podcasts, but also Claudia and our journey in being parents and podcast hosts and just human beings. Uh, on that note, enjoy. Okay, wonderful. Uh, did you like it? <laughs> I loved it. It was so good. You did, Thank you did you. so well. Yeah, it, it flew very, very, very nicely. Yeah, yes. I agree. And it's very fun. And yeah, I just, I love hearing about, and I, I did just have a daughter for the first time. So it really was, these questions were very much from me asking how to raise my daughter more effectively and to really mm -hmm. do this in a way that is safe and protected for her. And it's very helpful. I'll send you some, some notes that I have that, you know, that I have them everywhere to remind me how to be, a, because it's different to be um, a mom or a dad for a daughter than for a boy. Yeah. I mean, I think emotionally it should not be different, but when it comes to self-esteem, when it comes to, you know, even losing their virginity, mm -hmm. you know, I mean, mm -hmm. there is, there is ways that I have spoken to my girls mm -hmm. that have really empowered them. I mean, all my three girls lost it after high school. Oh, I love that. They waited. They, they have they had a purity ring the three of them they make a a, a pact on the three of them you know and they had it in this finger so but but um the way the way they they perceive themselves you know um i think it helped them wow. and and that's our job as parents you know even even though, I mean, I got divorced when my youngest one was 11 months old. So she could use the excuse of, oh, I didn't have a dad at home, you know, but it's how you work together with your partner, regardless if you live in, under the same roof or not, is how you work together. So that kid knows that you both have her back, no mm -hmm. matter what. That is the meaning of unconditional love. Mm -hmm. and, mm -hmm. and, it, and it's powerful. I mean... If you have two minutes, I'll tell you a really mm -hmm. fast story. Mm -hmm. When my daughter... Like what you heard? Give it a share. Want to talk about it? Comment or like below. Have a great rest of your day. This is the Actually Connecting Podcast.